So before we get into this mini episode, we have a few things to throw at you guys. Our guest, Alana, is full of passion and a shit ton of information, intense stories, and a call to action regarding a cold case that needs to be solved. And she's also a freaking peach. Mm-hmm. So this this episode's a little bit different because it's basically an interview, but there are a few extra edits and details redacted to respect wishes of families in the sharing of these stories. This is me and my obvious need for approval, but don't mind the sound, you guys, because we had to switch up our recording space to properly social distance with a guest because we're not going to sit in a tiny little room, get glass long with with each other. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, we always put them in the show notes, but trigger warnings big time for rape and murder. And we would let you guys know that this episode isn't going to be funny, but I feel like that just opens us up for, wait, the other ones are supposed to be funny. (laughs) And I can't handle it. (laughs) Boo-doo-boo-boo, intermish. Holy shit, these are real life SVU episodes. Yeah. Yeah, they are. Yeah. And don't listen if you don't want you fucking prick. Jeez. Welcome to SVU Pod, especially heinous. I'm Tasha. I'm Gabe. And we're still in our inner mesh. Nobody can see you shaking your head at me. They all know you're doing it. So. Hold on, Marty's. Okay. She had a drink of water while she's farting. She was like. (laughs) 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 Your your fart noises ever since I've known you have always made me laugh like a fucking. That was a good fart noise. Like a five-year-old. Thanks, you guys. I always worry, like, if I make a fart noise, like, it's it's just not, not going to be, like, fully executed, and you're just, like, a bad fart noise, and there's it's just embarrassing. Do you know my first thought when she said your fart noises? And I'm like, oh, my God, please don't call out that mine aren't indicative of normal people's farts. No. And so it's going to be like, ew, your farts are weird. No. Please, God, no. No, they sound like a real fart. You've done a good job. So, Thank you. Yeah. That could be the worst thing I've heard all day if somebody says that to me. <laughs> I want to hear your fart noise now that oh, you're like no. worried. Now oh, that you're God. worried about it, I don't even <sighs> too much pressure. I just told you I'm nervous about it. But like we can't see your mouth, so yeah, okay. just, we won't even make well, eye contact. N- now I'm gonna get all my spit on the. That's fine. That's what that thing's there for. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah, do it. <laughs> see, it's <laughs> not good. It's not good. It's a good one. Oh, I thought it was guys. great. You guys, yeah, yeah, that's God. a good one. That's a classic. I think I you think. guys are just being nice. <laughs> Today we have our first guest ever. Her name is Alana and she is a victim's advocate and the creator of a Facebook group and page called Buried Cold Cases. The group was started back in September of 2019 and now has over 85,000 members. Holy shit. Yeah. Buried Cold Cases was originally created to focus on the names and stories of little known and rarely discussed murder victims and missing persons cases rather than the high profile cases that always get discussed. Cases may be only a year old or as old as 50 or more years old. Alana will make write-ups of cases she has come across in her own research and other members in the buried cold case group are encouraged to share cases they have come across or their own loved ones cold cases. Alana is also going to school for journalism with hopes to become a journalist that helps to respectfully cover crime and cold cases in the future. Yeah. So hi Alana. Hi guys. Hi everyone. (laughs) Thanks for being here. Alana's brought us a story that she has worked on but before we get started on that could you maybe fill us in a little bit on the important work that you're doing and how you got there. Sure. Well, thank you guys for having me on. I was always into true crime from kind of a young age, ID channel, all mm-hmm. of that kind Fuck of stuff. Yeah, dude. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. You know, get, start out with <laughs> One that. One of us. 
yeah <laughs> you know i didn't actually watch that much dateline but i i really like dateline now mm-hmm. but yep. um you know i think that was what had started it off for me of you know watching the id channel seeing the stories i wanted to be a detective but then i found out that you have to be a police officer and be on like the streets and that for many years and before you can actually do that and that did not sound as appealing to mm-hmm. me you know i kind of didn't really know where to go from there actually i had uh he's now my fiance but i had met him about like six years ago and I would watch the shows on ID and he wasn't able to watch that and I um, had found out pretty early on that his mother was actually murdered and so um, that was kind of part of the reason he didn't want to watch that stuff because he had lived it growing up and having to go through a trial and everything and I I can get into that too um, a little bit more about that story because that is definitely the biggest part I think of my story of coming to here um, to this place of you know trying to be a victim's advocate and working with you know some of these cases and in whatever capacity I can. At first, I didn't really, I mean, I understood, but I didn't get like why he wasn't able to watch those shows or even come in the room and I'd have to shut it off. So I I took a break from watching that kind of stuff, especially once I'd heard more about the story of his mother. And then I found myself um, a couple years ago, I had, it's probably more like a year, year and a half ago, there was a local case, a mysterious death case rather than like a clear cut murder or suicide, that sort of thing. And I had reached out to the father of the person that had died and I was like, what do you think about putting this on Facebook to get some more attention and and be able to share it because he was sharing stuff on his personal Facebook page Mm -hmm. about it but you know he wasn't having people share it because it wasn't like a public format I was like what if you were just putting the things you were writing on your personal Facebook and then putting that on like a public page they were all for it we had some other ideas as well on how to use like ad targeting you know where you'd pay for ads to target this specific area where it happened every Um, one of us older people needs a young person to be like, hey, why don't you do this thing that everybody's doing? It's like, well, I put an ad in the paper. (laughs) What more can I do? I had the idea originally and then I had, uh, there is somebody that by the name of Billy Jensen who uh, he kind of does this. He specializes in it and I looked up an article that had him featured in it about how he was using like targeted Facebook ads to actually help solve murders. So I was like, I guess it's not that crazy of an idea. So we did it and it was a page for that one and it blew up pretty quickly got a lot of support it was helpful we did get uh you know a couple new leads that had come in oh that's so awesome it, it yeah. was it was really exciting so you are a detective <laughs> well not <laughs> no she came Cleaned. in with a trench coat and a magnifying glass and i was like oh my god <laughs> it's really cool that you've created a platform that creates more attention for these like cold cases so we were we were able to get some new leads for this specific case the boy was local to here but it had happened in a different state so that was kind of the limitation of his father being able to to get some new leads and and how we were able to use the Facebook page to help us with that. Mm -hmm. It wasn't enough to open the case back up. They had already closed it and ruled it a suicide, even though there were some really sketchy things on there. You know, that's still running and active, not able to to do that much with it. That's kind of the decision we came to when we felt good about it. I didn't want his father to to be overly involved if he didn't want to be in that. Yeah, that's got to be super overwhelming. I think it was for him too because it was constantly as we were doing it you know it was like reliving that and so I I totally 
understood where he was coming right. from. So this is not my current group that that I do. This is this was a separate page that had kind of got me into and, and kind of show me like what Facebook was able to do that I could use the the tool of social media to do something good with it. Yeah. And then in September, you know, I was kind of getting like itchy to do something else again. So I was like, you know what? I've created pages before. I've now created a group. Like, let's see what this is about. Mm. Maybe this is like a could be a cool experiment. So I started out and I invited like one person and he was um, his son has been missing mm. um, since the late 80s. And I'm friends with him on Facebook. And I invited him because I, I at one point wanted to feature his son's story. And from there, I kind of like shared a couple posts that I'd made of like write ups of cases that I'd been researching for a while. And it started taking off like right away, you know, it just started blowing up really quickly. And I think we had like 10,000 people by the end of the month or within like two weeks wow. or something like that. I can't quite remember. It just seems like it just kept growing and growing and it just was becoming this big thing. There are a lot of family members of murdered or missing loved ones on there. I've gotten to, to know some of them and, you know, get to tell stories. We, you know, we'd have people reach out to the group and be like, will you write a story about my daughter, my son, you know, oh, my wow. mother. With the time that we had, you know, I did my best to try to, to write those stories. I did bring on like a couple different writers at the end of December or like the beginning of January. Mm-hmm. So we had a couple of their stories, you know, for, of what they've written as well. It's been a really good experience. I, you know, I felt like I was able to just help tell some stories that really hadn't been told for a long time. Mm-hmm. And it was a real privilege that the family members would trust me with it. You know, yeah. they'd give me information or they'd give me articles. Then I do my own research just to get some, as you know, some of the information and as many details as I could about yeah. the case and then condense it down to something that people would read on social media and yeah. share. Wow, that's a lot. Yeah, that is so, crazy. Yeah, you know, and it, it's, it is, it's a lot of work. It's time consuming. It's really rewarding. I went back to school back in the beginning of this year. Mm-hmm. So that made it a little bit harder for me to, to be able to devote as much time as I wanted to it. Just retouching some of the stories that I told from before that maybe didn't get as much attention and just like reshare it. I'll go back and touch on my now fiance's mother is like a really big part of why I wanted to, why I decided to go back to school, why I decided to do the group page or, or really, you know, anything that I'm doing in this genre. I wanted to help victims and their families because I I feel like there's somebody has to do something. Some of these people that have reached out to the page, they want somebody to tell their loved one's story. They want to know they're not forgotten. And I think just, you know, whether it gets like 100 shares or 500 shares, it's just the fact that like somebody would take the time and try to put it out there and that people are reading about their loved one and that they're not forgotten about. Because obviously they've not forgotten about their loved one, but sometimes they can feel like detectives or the media or the town that that it happened in, you know, that it's just they moved on and they're kind of stuck waiting, like without any answers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my fiance's mother, she was assaulted and murdered when he was just a baby. This was down in Oklahoma. It was in Norman, Oklahoma, which is kind of like a sort of suburb city of Oklahoma City. It was during like the middle of the day. The she, middle of the day? Yeah, it was the middle of the day. Um, was she like a stay at home mom? She, I think she was at the time. Um, she had her master's degree. 
I believe in, in communication, but I think she was, he was pretty young. He was about eight months old oh my God. at the time. So he was just, you know, I think she was, she was staying at home because, yeah. you know, to take care of him. My fiance, um, he was in the other room sleeping. You know, she had essentially the, the man that he was later caught. He used to be like a utility worker. So I, you I, are describing my fucking yeah. nightmares. Yeah, but her, anyway, like, keep no, going. that's okay. It's my nightmares as well. I, oh you know, it makes me emotional to talk about it too, because it's, you know, we've visited her grave and it's just, um, anyway, back on, back on the story. Uh, he still had his uniform. He'd been recently fired from his job um i believe he was like a like a telephone cable worker that sort of guy um cable guy and he had used his uniform to try to get into the house he had been at their house previously for actual cable work there and uh you know he had given her the creeps at that point and then came back um i believe it was a couple months later said he had to do cable work again had his uniform on went into the house I don't believe there was any robbery involved. You know, he was just a really evil Whoa. person. Um, his his father came home, I believe it was, was for lunch later. Oh, my God. And was the one to find her. And, you know, Travis was, was crying in his crib. Oh and his father's, you know, as just this wonderful, super positive person. And what he had to find and what he lived through there and it was just inconceivable, really. And then, and she was, she was um, I believe, uh, like a couple months pregnant as well. <gasps> so obviously didn't what you know baby didn't survive oh there so the same man that did that went on two months later to murder another woman oh my god in the same way and they were able to catch him eight years after tally who's travis's mother her murder uh they caught him using dna evidence they convicted him of murder he was sentenced to death for her murder he had also in like 1994 i think he had tried to abduct a woman um in a tulsa parking lot Tulsa is like a different part of Oklahoma mm -hmm. at knife point and try to force her back in her car to abduct her and she fought him off she actually received um, like really nasty knife wounds through like her neck and hands I believe but was able to fight him off because it was in a Walmart parking lot in the early morning hours and he he is evil. a bad guy but yes they he drove off but they they were able to catch him and he had blood on his hands from that attack so he got in life in prison so he was already in prison at the time yeah. That they started suspecting him or well, they were able to connect him to the other two murders oh. via DNA. So he but then he got the death penalty for for Tally's case and um, was sentenced to death, I think, in 2007. Good. And he is he's gone. But there's that question in my mind of whether he, you know, <sighs> did, she, did know more. I was gonna, yeah, I was gonna say, did she? Did oh, he, yeah, I mean, sure. I'm, I'm fucking sure. Unless he like that was like his first one, and he just started off on a thing. But like, I doubt it. I no, I'm saying because because it was eight years. There was eight years in between. Oh. There was there was about eight years in between, and he had gone between. He had lived in like Texas. Um, I think he like kind of fled down to Texas because the the second woman that he murdered was actually like a a neighbor of his, mm. and so he got a little bit of heat on that one. Although they weren't able to pin it on him, but I think he got nervous on that, and then went back down to Texas, came back up, you know, moved around in Oklahoma. So, you know, he made the rounds of, of that. I, I don't really know if there's any evidence out there to, to tie him to anything, but yeah. 
What's, I, I wonder personally, you know, keeps me up it's at like night. It's like a serial, that, ser- yeah. serial killer. Legit, yeah. What year was that? Travis's mother was murdered in, I, I believe, 1987. Okay. And that was, I think, February of 1987 that she was murdered. And the other woman was murdered in May of 1987. Mm-hmm. And then the woman that was abducted uh, or attempted abduction in the Tulsa parking lot was, um, I think it was like September of 1994. Okay. So there was quite a big gap in between and yeah he was a really really evil guy um you know what we haven't said is his name and we're not gonna because he's a piece of shit (laughs) he is he is he doesn't even deserve no if anybody really wants to look it up you know i'm sure you can figure it out but yeah he was yeah, absolutely. And and I didn't bring enough things out here to throw. I know. <laughs> I'm like, know, right? Gabe needs to set a small fire or throw some <laughs> shit across the room. So duck. Yeah. Alana's wearing a helmet. <laughs> <laughs> so so that's that's part of, you know, the story of what, you know, just hearing that. And, you know, some yeah, of that dude. I, you know, researched on my own because it, it is, you know, like I, who wants to ask somebody about details like that? And no. who, yeah. wants, exactly. who wants to talk about about stuff like that, you know, and for me, I just, you know, I'd heard bits and pieces and just putting together the story was just horrifying Right. of knowing that that happened and that that happened not just to her, but to, you know, another woman who I think her child was the one to find her. Oh, um, my The gosh. other woman was. The uh, ripple effect of lives that are affected. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And that's that to me is that that is the haunting because it's not just the victim. It's right. the survivors. And there's so many other people that are way more affected by Tally, Travis's mother's, you know, murder than I am. But I you know, we, Travis and I, we got engaged back in February, the the wonderful, bright future of wedding planning in the next year uh, with coronavirus, everything. But just that feeling that that gap, that hole of like wishing that his mother was, yeah. you know, there yeah. to be with us and that I that I knew her, you know, because I see I think I see parts of her like in him mm. and I hear stories about her, but we'll never get that opportunity to meet her, you know, and really Travis never really got that opportunity to know her because he was only eight months old and you know and the ripple effects of of that you know just feeling kind of that that hole of of somebody taken that wasn't she just wasn't meant to die then and somebody Mm -hmm. took her life and fate went a different way with everything but it just feels like that injustice of like somebody else took a life that they yeah that this person's supposed to be living right now how so fucking sick it makes me really angry you know i'm just i'm glad you know not everybody agrees with the death penalty and everything and you know i'm glad he's dead i i don't (laughs) feel sad at all that that he's that he's dead and you know and that wasn't even my mother you know Mm -hmm. I I can't imagine I heard about it five minutes ago and I'm like fuck that guy I'm glad he's dead I hope he can get (laughs) killed twice I hope he woke up and then they had to kill him again I hope he wanted KFC as his last meal and they were like oh my god they're closed too bad something else (laughs) (laughs) he's like no (laughs) yeah I just I feel like you know with with people, good people, when they're taken out of the world, the, the world's a little bit less of a brighter place, you know, by taking out that bright light. And mm-hmm. um, he was a spot of darkness. So, I, you know, I really think the world's just a little bit better, probably without him, in my opinion. Balance personally. that shit out. I think it would be so- yeah. like it's a lot better. Right? Yeah. yeah. Good, I, a good amount of better. <laughs> yeah. Fuck that guy. Fuck that guy. So, so that's part of, you know, the story. And, and I think that's what really drives me is, is seeing that other side, seeing the, the side of like the, the family members, because even with 
her case being solved and and ultimate you know justice being done there's still that feeling you know travis will never know what is mm-hmm. what it would have been like you know with his with his mother yeah. um all the family members and everything else and the ripple effect and that's with it solved when it's unsolved and you have yeah, all that you know i can't even imagine yeah and there's that's people living intense- that they don't know the answers you know yeah. like they're like why why did this happen to my loved one who did this and they some of them die without knowing and it's just it breaks breaks my heart and that's kind of what drives me to to help in whatever way i can and i don't really have the illusion that i'm gonna actually help solve a Mm murder but at least to get people talking about it again the the murder missing people i mean the more the more aware people are of stuff information might come out or like hopefully at least there's and then i think it also just helps the family members like they it gives them something if i have like a little write-up on facebook they can share it on their page you know they might not be a writer you know Mm -hmm. they might not be able to piece it together because it's so emotional for them yeah yeah to be able to 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 do that cohesively and then they can just share it you know and their voice alana yeah i i i do my best and i wish i wish i had time to do more and i i that's kind of why i'm i'm going to school for journalism so Mm -hmm. i can have that time at a job to do what i want to do it's hard to give it the time i want to in between you know when i get home from work and everything so that's that's kind of the story of of behind it what's brought me here to this point yeah this is a hell of a hobby like it's very time consuming you're like instead of like oh i'm gonna take a pain you're like "Mm, i'm gonna help solve murders i i you know i didn't get into it there and then all of a sudden it just started like snowballing you know there's you know there's some other cases that really have made a big difference and and inspire me and i also i I forgot to mention there was in travis's mother's case tally's case there was a really dogged detective that um had helped put all the pieces together and was just this wonderful wonderful guy to the family he would call them touch base with them and even still he would call on uh on birthdays um every every year he talked with travis's grandma just recently passed passed away but he would talk with her who was she was Tally's mother mm-hmm. um you know oh he'd still God. call her and they were still in contact and she just thought the world of him just people like that that try their very best and and do whatever they can to help get justice is it's it's very inspiring to me you know it wouldn't have happened without that hard work or that extra effort yeah steve lucas is is the detective that did that so what up give, steve get it steve shout out to steve so he's invited <laughs> to the wedding so you brought us a cold case today that you wrote about that's still cold it is still cold yes it's still yeah. unsolved and uh, and we wrote about it on our group it's the the story of danny miles it's it's one that really touched my heart when I had written about it for the group. And his sister had reached out to me and asked me to write a story about her brother. That's kind of where I got started. I'd never heard of it before. This one is super, super buried. Those are the cases that are like, you know, they don't even get real articles devoted to them. And it just breaks my heart. I just try to be as accurate as possible just because I think that helps the case. For sure. To make sure you're not putting disinformation out on it because little details can make a big difference. You know, he was only 17 when he was murdered out in Caruthers, California, mm. which is kind of a central California town. It's essentially like a suburb of Fresno, mm. but it's pretty rural. There's a lot of vineyards there. So um, yes, he was only 17 years old. He was a high school student. What year was this? This was in 1979. So this oh. was uh, June 4th, oh. 1979. Okay. He was murdered and he was found out in a vineyard and he had been shot twice in the back of the head. <laughs> And he had been brutally sexually assaulted as well. 
Jesus. There's not a ton of details on on the murder, kind of like whether he was found unclothed, whether there was a lot of evidence nearby. You know, from everything that I was able to gather, he had really fought his attacker off very hard. You know, he had a lot of skin found underneath his fingernails. Mm. We don't know if, if they have a rape kit. We don't know how well the fingernail clippings and, and scrapings have been preserved. Mm. We don't really know that much if they have any other evidence you know they didn't seem to share a ton of information with the family to start with unfortunately and there's really not much communication at all going on right now from what Danny's sister Marita has told me she's tried to email and call them and the detective in the case and stopped hearing back from them a while ago so um, it's you know she's been very frustrated with that and just feeling like you know that her brother's been forgotten about and she's not forgotten him they grew up and they were really, really close with each other. Marita shared that, you know, their family was very low income and poor. And they were, they would work in the vineyards together, picking grapes to help make ends meet for their family and to also, you know, buy themselves like school clothes and stuff like that. So they got to spend a lot of time together doing that. And it's good memories for her. And that's been really difficult for her because she was really close with her brother. He was murdered in such a brutal way. And then all these years later, you know, I think it's 41 years since, Oh my God. Still no answers. There's no making it better because at the end of the day, justice won't bring you back your loved one. Yeah. But I feel like it's the bare minimum least that somebody gets justice for their loved one or knows what happened to them. Or if they're missing, has their body to bury, like has some closure in that sense. And it's inhumane in a way. It's inhumane for these people to like have to live their whole lives and just not know um, and not have even that little semblance of closure. That's not even full closure. It's good when the truth is out and that, you know, people that could maybe harm other people are off the streets. Mm-hmm. Um, so that more families don't have to feel that way. And, and you know, I think in Danny's case, there's certainly a chance that whoever murdered him and raped him did it again. Mm-hmm. And if this person wasn't caught, is maybe still out there, probably pretty old right now, but who knows what age they were. There was a lot of serial killers that Danny would fit their victim profile operating within that part and mainly Southern California, but he's kind of like Ed Cruthers is in like central, sort of like central, a little bit Southern in California. The 70s, the 70s for serial killers in the Pacific Northwest and California were like like a hotbed. Mm-hmm. It was it was certainly a hotbed and, and right over there, you know, there was two very prolific serial killers operating within that time period. William Bond and the Freeway Killer and then there was Randy Kraft, the scorecard killer, also known as well as the Freeway Killer. Um just to make things really confusing. Score <laughs> scorecard killer? Scorecard killer. Oh. That was Randy Kraft. Both targeted victims within the age range that Danny would have been. Both were operating within the time frames. Um, Randy Kraft was, I think, between like 1972 and 1983. Mm-hmm. He was killing. Uh, I know William Bonin has um, 14 confirmed boys that he had raped and murdered. Jesus Christ. Fuck. And I think Randy Kraft, is, he's got like 16 boys and young men that were confirmed victims, but both are suspected of, of many, many more. I think William Bonin is suspected of like 44 or potentially more. And Randy Kraft is like anywhere between possibly 51 and like even 70. Mm. And well, I mean, William Bonin, his first confirmed kill was two months later. So, you know, it could have uh, evolved or changed right you know he yeah. wasn't entire like we don't have confirmed evidence that either was was operating in like caruthers there or even yeah. in fresno but it's not that 
far away, you know, there was traveling. So it's, it's certainly in my mind, a possibility for sure, you know, and I think they're you know, both varied their styles. Randy Kraft would sometimes torture victims horribly and sometimes would just rape and murder them. So those are two possible suspects. I don't know if there's really anything to fully tie them. I think if I were the detective in charge of the case, I'm sure there's, there's other more viable suspects that maybe are closer, mm-hmm. you know, to the victim, but, um, you know, it was a really brutal crime so certainly could have been perpetrated by you know somebody who had done it before previously yes or was was looking to get their their you know their a thrill kill out of it you know where Mm -hmm. they enjoyed not only the act of the sexual assault but also the act of killing i think there's there's multiple suspects i don't think there's one that really stands out it certainly could have been somebody that knew him you Mm -hmm. know i think that the whole like serial killer that's just a whole other side tangent because there is yeah. no released name of a suspect mm-hmm. in Danny's case. So there's not anything for me to really glob onto in, in that. But there's yeah. certainly and even his sister didn't really have any like solid. She had had a couple names that she'd thrown out, but it was really just speculation. Yeah. 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 And even she was kind of like, I, you know, and, and I, I don't know how well his case you know how hard it was was worked you know and there's sometimes a lot of times there is stuff happening behind the scenes police don't release details yeah even to the family because it's just you know that's part of their the way they're conducting their investigations so there might have been like really solid suspects that they never released the names of and i don't even know about it you know and so this is kind of being on the other side of, of everything i can see from my research and just not not fully knowing and because she hasn't been able to be in contact with the detective you know she's not really updated on where the status of that investigation is so god what the fuck it's still like every day for her she still lives it with her brother yeah because she misses him you know she's she's said to me like if i i wish i could just unbury my brother and like have him back with me because i miss him every day and she prays about the case like every Mm. day and and even then i think 41 years 41 years she just wants to know before she dies what happened to her brother and know that some sort of justice could maybe be served you know whether this person was already in jail you know they caught him because he killed other people or whether you know the person's already dead Mm -hmm. and they you know just to have like a name of the killer just something you know because otherwise just like every day you know she doesn't have her brother they she doesn't have answers it's just a raw deal so the last thing I wanted to talk about with Danny's story is, you know, I think we're, we touched on earlier is that there's like there is a real person behind these stories. Mm-hmm. And and I try to add some little details, you know, to kind of make that real. And so, you know, some things about Danny is that he he loved participating in Civil War reenactments, oh. um, which was I, kind of a cool thing. Like, But yeah, that was something he really loved doing. And, and I think, you know, just maybe That's a fun adorable. way. Yeah, you get all, you know, dressed up and. Um, I thought that was a really cool detail to kind of bring, you know, some of who he was to help visualize that. And then he had dreams someday to um, move to Kansas out there. So that's kind of what he wanted to do, I think, Hmm. you know, shortly after he would have graduated uh, and then find a job out there. So I'm not sure why he liked Kansas so much, but um, I'm not sure either. Yeah, I don't maybe he went through there before and like traveled there and, you know, something out there. Maybe, you know, they do probably a lot of ranching out there. I'm not sure what Kansas has going on, but, um, you know, maybe he liked that part of it. So um, that was something. Meanwhile, in Kansas, everybody's like, California, someday. (laughs) So he also, he really loved Christmas and him and Marita. I love Christmas. I love Christmas too. So I identify. My mom loves Christmas too. I hate it. Yeah. Travis hates it as well. 
Yeah. We're done. Christmas. Alana and I are going to do a baby. It's cold outside duet. Anyway, keep okay. going. Okay. We'll put that on. <laughs> we'll stick it on the end. And so him and Marita would um, pick out a Christmas tree every year mm-hmm. together. And that was kind of like a fun thing that they do to celebrate. She impressed upon me multiple times that like he was a wonderful brother. You know, mm-hmm. he was just like the best brother to her. And, uh, you know just a good person and um there's a group justice for danny miles on facebook but there's only about 300 people in there so they could use as much support as possible mm-hmm. just to get some more people talking about it i still think it's it's very interesting i mean things like danny's story is that gets me because i'm like god how is this not solved they probably still have the fingernail scrapings like what dna all this stuff um yeah. this is like a great time for that and we see all these developments and and i think his sister thinks to herself like why is Danny's case not one of these breaking new cases? And so, and so much of it is, I'm not saying this is the situation there because obviously I don't know, but so much can be just having to do with bringing awareness to yeah. detectives and whoever's handling it for them to go, oh yeah, we should run go run this. And it's getting that in front of the right people yes. for it to be opened up and to be addressed again. Yes, because unfortunately right now it seems like that communication channel between the family and the detectives right now is a little bit hindered or broken, but I think Marita is trying to find some ways and on our end we'll try to to step it up where maybe we can make some calls to you know the detective because we have the number and she had shared with me that the her and Danny had grown up poor and she did feel like that from the beginning or early on in the case that it had been pretty neglected by police or investigators and the media as well she felt it might have something to do with them being lower income you know and having where they you know and even just the fact that they didn't have the financial resources to like hire a lawyer to put that pressure on police departments or the media or have that the you know connections to be able to like get it on the news or you know more often and 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 that was um it's fucking troubling yeah it was, it's that's sad. A thing. You yeah, know, it's a hundred percent. Shouldn't have to have money sure. to, to help lo- solve your loved one's brutal murder. And I can't really speak to, you know, exactly what went on or how right. things were worked, whether they were doing it. In Oftentimes, secret, but... socioeconomic disparity is a factor in whether a case gets a lot of attention or not. It's yeah. just, mm-hmm. it's just. And I see statistics. that a lot. Mm-hmm. And I felt I felt the same way with Danny's case, too, is like there's just that like, where is the information? Like, where are the articles? Like, this is a horrible crime. Why is nobody covering it? I hope I can do better justice to like all different types of victims and, mm-hmm. and all, you know, and not just repeat and regurgitate the same story. I don't think that those cases are any less important than mm-hmm. this. But yeah, just like if you could have a little bit of sharing, that would be great, you know, yeah. of the spotlight. And maybe we can do good for all these cases yeah to get it out there you know one way you could help is to um send an email to the detective of the case or even call the fresno county sheriff's department so if that's something that you feel called to do you know just to maybe put it on their mind a little bit more because i do think that if they still have that evidence you know we could solve this the email for the detective is john so j-o-n no h in there dot alvarado a-l- V-A-R-A-D-O at fresnosheriff.org. You say that one more time. Sure. It's John, J-O-N dot Alvarado, A-L-V-A-R-A-D-O at fresnosheriff.org. Awesome. And that is his. Make sure you spell sheriff right because I never do. Sure. I know. I was like. S-H-E-R-I-F-F. Okay. I, I always put two R's. S-H-E-R-I-F-F. Barrel and sheriff. I can't spell. 
if it comes back to you, I'm sure if the email bounces back, we'll we'll have it written out too on the maybe the email template as well. You could put a hundred dollar bill on the table and ask me to spell restaurant, and I'm not making a hundred bucks. Okay. I can't even. I wouldn't chance it. I yeah. I'm like autocorrect. Right. Like why is there a fucking you in here? Which where does it go? Guarantee. I, oh. I identify with both of those <laughs> having issues. Oh, and when do you do the phone number too, just in case? Oh, yeah. Do you have the oh, phone number? Yes. I For the Fresno County Sheriff. Yes. I won't give you the detective's direct line, although you may be able to find it within the comments of the post um, on Danny that we had made. Check it out. Um, if you really want it. A Fresno uh, County Sheriff is 559. I'm sorry. <laughs> you thought you were going to say 555. I thought you were just going to give us a 555 number, and I'm like, are you fucking trolling me? <laughs> sorry. Go ahead. 559. 559 600 8400 559-600-8400. Just to shed some light. Yeah. Yeah. Just to show like, hey, we're, you know. People are paying attention and this needs to get We would love to see this solved, essentially. So, yeah. So we'll have a template for you to be able to send an email to the detective that is in charge of Danny Miles's case. Join Alana's Facebook group if you're interested in helping solve buried cold cases, if you're interested in learning more about them or in, you know, or if you need help with something yourself or just to support the families and um, people looking for support in those places. Follow us on Instagram at SVUpod. Send us an email, svupod at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook. And join our Facebook group. Yeah. Subscribe, rate, review, be nice. We love you. Thank you so much, Alana. Yeah, thank you. Um, we thank really you super appreciate you coming. Hey, thank you guys so much for having me. Absolutely. Thank you. Really yeah. appreciate it. And thanks for listening to all my stories here. And thanks for letting me feature Danny's case. Just appreciate any way that we're able to get stuff out. Because I, I think any extra ear that's hearing about it is helpful. So mm-hmm. And and we weren't lying about your fart noise. It was great. I was just going to say that. It was was really cute. (laughs) I was just going to say that we appreciate. Thank you for giving me my fart noise confidence back. Don't Don't you ever lose that shine. Thank you. Okay. um, See you later. Love you. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) Bye. Update. When we recorded last week, the Buried Cold Cases Facebook group, Alana's group, was at 85,000 members. And as of today, it's at 93,000 and growing. I joined it. There's some shit that I did. I never even heard of it. Or it's insane. I don't know if we say it enough times in this episode, but join that group. Yeah. Buried Cold Cases. Yeah. 